0: Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. What
1: did you change or remove from this place? Because it reminded you too strongly of the old marshal. I think the bed, because I didn't want to sleep in the old marshal's bed. Yeah. Let's talk about what is in your personal quarters. Yeah. I think you have a set of oracle bones that was made from the first human life that you took to the underworld.
2: I am death. Death. You have a condition that can never be cleared. Death touch. Any side characters that make contact with your bare skin will die right now or later
1: today. Gwen, you get a dog. Congratulations. (laughs)
2: Its name is Spot.
1: So it's like a local dog that Angel happens to take care of. All right, deputy. What was so damn important that you thought it necessary to interrupt my pleasant bathing this morning? There, uh, just outside of the the Foothills Road, I saw a supply wagon just as it it passed the, the the crossing of the roads there it veered uh, off the road it rolled down the hillside uh, uh i regret to say it did kill both of the drivers clive barnes uh, and uh, and uh, jose morena and all four of the horses pulling it standing there at that crossroads there was this woman she was dressed in white i called out to her asked if she saw anything and She simply turned away. Something I feel like bewitched me.
0: I would like to use Angel's move. Have you met my associate?
1: Okay. Have you seen this woman? We just invented forensic sketch drawing. Hell yeah. Angel, what's your next step?
0: If it's a ghost, a woman ghost, she figures something happened. So she'd want to look at records with pictures.
1: Uh, You know what? I think there's the, the local general store that... You can buy newspapers there, and I think you know that if the local general store, you'd probably be able to find old versions, like old copies of newspapers. I'll take the deputy, and we'll go investigate the crash site. The deputy saw the ghost heading back along the road towards the Carson Homestead, which is uh, outside of town.
2: Lorelai is gonna grab some salt and head out to the Carson Homestead.
1: Oh right, yeah, that's that definitely seemed like the first place to go after the bar. The Carson homestead is not an active one. The roof and main timbers of the house have collapsed. There are weeds and small brush that have grown up around the ruined farmhouse. Um, It's abandoned at this point. There are plenty of stories that the Carson family was plagued by misfortune. What do you see that hints at this troubled past?
2: A fairly large family graveyard.
3: There's just a bunch of crosses Mm -hmm. Many of which, if not most of which, have fallen, broken, or turned upside down. Brother Gideon is going to check out the graveyard. He is going to try and feel his way through it more than look his way through it.
1: Okay. I love that. That is going to be a six, so that's not going to hit. So I think positionally, the original house is what faces the road. You can see the barn behind it. The family graveyard is just a little bit removed from that. It's fairly close to the barn itself. And as you're circling around the building, you see the back of someone, a smaller, more portly frame, heading towards where Brother Gideon is in the graveyard. They seem to be coming from the barn area. It's a woman, and she's holding up a shovel raised above her shoulder as she's heading towards Brother Gideon. His back is to her like she is going to strike. Uh, for your miss, by the way, Brother Gideon. Hooray! <laughs> Do you want to use a Janus mask? Uh, we could adjust how the scene is going, but... Yeah, mask of the past. They have to be done in okay. order. Yes, so I will say, since we're only doing a one-shot, you may start from any point in the mask of the past, but from there you have to go in order. I won't make you start from the beginning if you don't want to start from the beginning. No, I just... we're only doing a, a short, limited series.
3: Yeah, this beginning one works out pretty well for me, though.
1: Okay, cool, 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 cool
3: as Gideon is kneeling and going from grave to grave, he can't help but remember a time before he was part of the clergy, back when he was still strong in his faith. It wasn't that dissimilar to this? It was a curious, curious child that were in the graveyard, and he was helping at the church after a funeral. And he remembers most uh, vividly how sure he was that everything was okay because even though the recently deceased was gone and their family inconsolable Mm -hmm. that it was fine because they were in heaven all of these good folks here in this field they're all in heaven what a glorious gift to everyone here and he was content to helping tend to the graves, console the bereaved, and he knew it was strange that most people wouldn't associate happiness and contentedness with being in a graveyard. There he was, gentle smile on his face, kindly words on his mouth—at least as kindly as children have.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I think. There's a a certain tenderness, then, that you bring to going through and inspecting these graves, uh, thinking for a moment at each of them about the deceased. And that bumps you up to a mixed success, so you will get a clue for this. There's also a complication. Uh, We'll get to the complication first, and then we'll get to the clue. The complication is, as you're going across these graves, you see... You didn't notice them from the road because there's like a low wall of stone around this graveyard. Um and also she's hunched over and and fairly small. She's uh somewhat emaciated, this woman in her 50s, sandy hair. And she's bent over with like a despite the heat, I think she's in like a a layered sort of blouse. It's flowing well beyond her frame. And she's tending to the graves. You realize now, very out of place after seeing these broken tools and this falling down homestead, that these graves were actually well maintained, like they'd been weeded around. And even though the grass was mostly dying in the yard, this is somewhat greener and taken care of. And she stands up dusting herself off from the grave that she was attending to and turns around to you with like with a start you're obviously dressed like a clergyman, right? Like, uh, I mean,
3: I think so. He, he's the seersucker suits, uh, in case you've yeah. ever seen one. I, I purposely looked one up, even though I suspected, um, they, t- they trends towards being sort of pinstripey. Uh, it's a very strange material. It's very, it's much airier than your traditional suit. And that comes in the <laughs> form of crink. of it's a crinkly uh, fabric. Like if ruffles was a fabric, but not cordra corduroy way is thick. Uh, this is a, a much lighter fabric. It helps keep you cool while still looking your Sunday best. Uh, gotcha. it, it, it's it, like it, a
2: thinner cousin to burlap, kind of.
3: Kind of like that, yeah. Ideally, it feels better, yeah. but, you know, it is what it <laughs> is. Um And he has a uh, straw boater hat as well as uh tinted glasses to help with
1: sun. Yeah. She sees you arrive at the start, uh, not noticing you. She was absorbed in her, her work tending to these graves. And she narrows her eyes a little bit at you, but I think you do see her face soften a little bit because you seem to be some kind of, some kind of man of the cloth. And she looks at you. Uh, I, 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 I don't need you out here disturbing me or, or my property. Uh, all, all these reporters been, been out here now? You two? Uh, do... Who who are you? Why, why are you here? Make make, make yourself scarce. And she, like, sort of waves her hands at you. Oh, my apologies, madam. I, I was led to
3: believe this estate was abandoned and we had cause to come... to come calling this way to look into some strange goings-on in town. My name is Brother Gideon, I
1: pastor over at the church, such as it is. <laughs> she, still a bit reserved, nods a greeting at you. Well, it was a, the, the house is what, what it is. Uh, I'm living back in the barn currently. Of course, the rest of the family isn't around these parts anymore. But I received notification of uh, what what had happened with the family down here, and I I've come to take ownership of what my family has left me here, what what my relatives have left, and worry about it. And it ain't it ain't no concern of yours, Mister uh, bro- Brother Gideon. G- Brother Gideon.
3: I believe we should all be on first name basis out here. I'm...
1: Oh, well... Uh, I'm Brandy. Brand, Brandy Carson.
3: He, Gideon coughs his hat. Brandy, it is a genuine pleasure to meet you.
1: Well, I... I... Uh, I think you're kind of charming. She's like... Uh, I hesitate to, to say the same. But, and you can see her her eyes kind of lingering at the when you took off your hat that like widened your shoulder stance a little bit, it drew your coat away from your side. I think she saw the flask on your hip, um, and you see her eyes drift to it. It's around this time that you you smell the moonshine on her breast uh. Uh, and like her eyes are like locked now on there on your hip and and she says, well, well, well maybe it's not the the worst." Thing to have a, a a man such as yourself here. To, I've been trying to do right by my my relatives here. It's a, it's a, I figure, after all that has befallen our our family over over the years, it, it, it would do well to to have a little bit of care taken around the deceased, honor given to them,
3: madam. You and I are of one mind. There's a reason why my first inclination was to visit the resting places of the dearly departed. That was some of my first experiences at the church, was helping tend the gravestones at the local cemetery. I always found it peaceful. And that was a genuine pleasant surprise to see these graves so well tinned when I expected it to be an overgrown mess. It truly warms the heart. He, he, he uh, reaches for his hip flask. Libations for the departed.
1: Well, libations are wasted on the departed. Libations are for the living.
3: Pour one out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> True words were never spoken. I suggest a compromise. And he pours a little bit out into the soil. hmm Raises
1: it up to the sky, takes a sip, and offers. She absolutely takes a sip after you. A bit of a... uh, Less of a sip, more of a drop. More of a... Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, She takes a drink from it. You can see... This is the clue now. You can see the grave that she's tending to. There's a smaller grave. It's located away from the rest. It's closer to the tree on the edge. I say tree. What's left of the tree on the edge of the property. And... Normally you wouldn't want to dig. Like there are some people who are buried near tree roots and stuff like that. But normally you wouldn't try to dig a larger grave near something like that. So there's just this small grave here. It's off to the side. It's the one that she was tending to. It's at the end of a long, long, too long row uh, of the Carson family. There's not a name on the gravestone. At least not as far as you can make out. I think there probably was. It was marked at some point. um, But at this point it's worn away. Uh, The clue is just a small grave in an unusual place. And I'm also going to give you the condition because of running into uh, Miss Carson here, uh, running into Brandy. I think the condition you have is Brandy is tolerating you. That's the condition. Um, so currently you are tolerated by Brandy, um, but that means that in general, Brandy will want to stick with you because she doesn't know you really she doesn't trust you she just tolerates you and so take that condition there you go um stepping then back to lorelei um when you rounded the house in in, uh earlier than instead the dead grass crunching under your feet um and dying uh, yeah and dying well you're wearing shoes i suppose
2: uh, okay. yes, but I probably have some amount of bare legs, so if it's, like, tall at all, mm. any of the tall, taller grass that hits me dies.
1: Yeah, this this lawn has not been cared for. I think the grass is too small for that to happen to, but I think some of the plants and weeds that have grown up, sucking the life out of the surrounding soil, they are greeted only with death for their hubris as they grow there in the hot Texas. Karmic
0: retribution. <laughs>
1: So you, you round the side of the house. You see Gideon there. And you see that he's talking with some woman that you hadn't noticed before there. But they seem amenable overall. Yeah. Um, do you go and investigate the barn then? I do. Okay. Um, there is another question. This is another location um, in, our, in our threat. Uh, this is the small barn behind the old farmhouse. A uh, little bit of description for it. It's leaning on one side a bit. Uh, parts of it have been shorn up to stabilize it against the collapse. Uh, It's weathered, it's gray. Um, I think many, this place might have been painted once upon a time, but mostly it is just gray and red from rust now. Okay. Um, The paint the scene question is, someone has been living in this barn recently. How do you know? (laughs) In this case, you have, of course, seen that there is a woman here on the property. Um, But what is in the barn that shows that she's living out of this barn? as opposed to just uh, here, for some reason.
2: I, of course, would not know it. Mm -hmm. But since uh, Marshall Jefferson Stockley threw out his mattress, somebody took that.
3: (laughs) 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 That's amazing.
1: To clarify, I threw out the old Marshall's mattress. Oh, yeah. And you ain't getting it back. That is occupied now, sir. Occupado. Occupado. Okay. So there's a mattress in the barn.
2: Bare mattress yeah. has a couple of pillows on it, a very old, worn, stuffed cat, and a quilt, just an old quilt with a little bit of bildew damage to it. There's that. There's like a pile of clothes. Uh, in like a, like what would be a horse trough usually. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, I like that.
2: And there's like a standing mirror Mm. that's just like old and worn and probably came from the house once upon a time.
1: I like that a lot. And so you head inside the barn. Mm -hmm. It's a small space. It it is as you've already described. There's no animals being kept here anymore. There's maybe the potential. There's a couple of stalls for horses that aren't, aren't too worn down by the, the sloping building. There's a, a little bit of hay still on the ground that is long dried out and it crumbles to dust under your feet and you're not even barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you What are you looking for? What are you doing?
2: What I want to do is I want to push the mattress out of the way, draw a circle in salt because I grabbed salt before I left, mm-hmm. and then use my uh, death oracle bones. Mm. My bones. My my first human death oracle bones yes to try to divine some information about this lady in white who has been haunting the area whether that be in the form of summoning her here
1: uh this this sounds like the information move the sensitivity i don't think you know what the result might be yet yeah it seems reasonable um i could also we haven't gone we haven't had a day move if you are trying to summon her i think that would be a day move and then information would be with talking with her.
2: Let's let's do that. I like that. I think that makes sense for Lorelai. She hears yeah. that there's a what she interprets to be a rogue spirit running around. Literally her entire thing is ferrying people to Yes. to the other side. No, that
1: makes total sense. I like so it. So she
2: would be trying to get to the same place and Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I think, so first let me quickly explain for the audience. The day move, uh, is one of the two core catch-all moves to the game. Um, when you do something riskier, face what you fear. In this case, you're literally summoning the, the ghost that is perhaps central to this whole threat. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you're going to, in this case, roll with sensitivity, because that makes perfect sense for how you're approaching the situation. Um, but you also need to tell me what you're worried about is going to happen. That's right. Before you roll. And since it's the day, not the night, um, it doesn't get worse than that necessarily. But tell me what you're worried about.
2: I think I am worried. Since it can't get any worse, uh, I am worried that I summon something else instead, something or someone else instead.
1: Interesting. Okay. So go ahead and roll.
2: Okay, I'm rolling with advantage because I because you're using, using your
1: oracle your oracle bones, bones, yes,
2: which I have marked because now I'm using them. Yep. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> that's snake eye. <laughs> With advantage?
2: Oh, fuck. Actually, mm, I thought I was okay. Yeah. Actually, I thought I was more than okay.
1: And then I remember that I only be... take
2: the highest two.
1: You only take the highest two?
2: Now, that only changed the amount by one because I, what I rolled was a one, a one, and a six. Oh, this is... so six, seven, eight, nine.
1: Okay, that's not too bad. That's could nice be success. Worse. Yeah, could be way worse. If you're rolling with disadvantage, that would have been two ones. <laughs> okay. Uh, so on a mixed success, um, you, you hold steady for now. And there will be some sort of complication or cost here. We'll get to that. Um, you've cast this salt in a circle here in the middle of this space. You throw your bones. Um, I think that there's a song that you sing. Um, I think there's a song that Lorelai sings when she's trying to call the dead. Um, It's soft. It's in a language that no one present would understand. But it is something that the Lady in White understands. And Love that. As you sing the soft song in this space, the room darkens, but not cruelly, not evilly or anything like that. It just darkens a little bit. The harsh daylight outside grows dimmer. The space feels more self-contained now. And the temperature plummets. It was hot outside. You're not quite midday yet, so it's not to the heat of the day. But it was already hot. It's summer. It's end of summer. And like the AC's just been cranked to max in here, the air moves out of the space and the temperature drops. And... I think you've drawn this salt circle and you've thrown these bones. You've made this request for her appearance. And normally when you do that, I think the dead rise up inside of that circle. Like They they are summoned there where you've requested them. The lady in white balking at that a little bit, you summoning her in this space, instead drifts out from the side of the barn. She is in this perfect, simple white gown she has long black hair and she stares at you impassively um, now that you're up close to her you can see her features in this soft darkness of the space, it's not you know, black or anything like that but in this soft light of the space you can see that her skin is translucent you can make out some of what sits behind her she's obviously a spirit and it's hard to tell with spirits because they don't have a corporeal form in quite the same way, of course. But she does seem... She's slight. She seems fairly young. What do you say to her? She is here. Oh, you have the condition, I think, from this. Under the lady's watchful eye.
2: Okay. I think I will smile. It's a very warm and inviting smile. I'm genuinely very happy to see her. Mm-hmm. And they say, Hi. Are you lost?
1: She doesn't answer your question. She just stands there and she's watching you. She does respond. She shakes her head now.
2: How long have you been here? On your own?
1: She drifts in the room a little bit closer to you, her eyes locked in you. She has no need for blinking and she does not do it.
2: I'm starting to move toward her.
1: Yeah. She just shakes her head from side to side.
2: You don't remember? She shrugs. What are we waiting for?
1: Roll the information move with presence.
2: I have a zero to presence, which is fair.
1: You are interacting with the spirit, but I don't think this is particularly a sensitivity moment.
2: That is a nine again.
1: It's a nine again. All right. So mixed success here. You will get a clue from this, though.
2: So I asked her, what are we waiting
1: for? What are we waiting for?
2: As I've been talking to her, I've taken off one of my gloves and I'm holding my hand out to her.
1: Hmm. I like that. Hey, it's your keeper, David here. I moved offices recently, so pardon me if this mineral sounds a bit different than usual. And thank you for joining us for our second Rootin' Tootin' episode playing The Between, Ghosts of El Paso. The mystery deepens this episode, and things really start to come to a head in our next one, so I hope you'll join us in two weeks for that. If you like what we're doing here and are interested in supporting us, you can find hours of show blooper content, early rough episode releases, and more on our Patreon, linked in the show notes. Or feel free to follow us on Twitter or Discord to stay updated on the show and chat with others in the community. We're glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. And enjoy more old-fashioned ghost hunting here on Trials of the Apocalypse. Later. Um, I want to cut from that scene to Angel Flynn. We'll come back to that scene. Okay. Um, Angel Flynn, you are at the general store. You know the general store owner... It's B. Tessa Schuster. The B stands for Bertha. You know this because you know that she hates being referred to by it. Um, Tessa came to El Paso to start a business, and through hard work and determination, uh, she and her partner have managed to build quite an establishment. You know that she would be interested in the wagon that has collapsed and stuff because she often uh, hires like local children to go and collect things from wagon accidents and other... Uh, goods that will not be missed that then make their way into her general store. Do you come to talk to Tessa, or do you mostly come to look at the newspapers?
0: Oh, she'll definitely start with, with Tessa, especially if Tessa yeah. and her partner have been here a while. She may know something, may have seen this woman, because anyone who's, who lives in town will need to come to the general store. So yes, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you arrive at the general store. Uh, general store is, I'm going to say it's a small building up the road from your own bar. It's in the center of town like yours. It's on one of the main thoroughfares through the city because it needs to be for anyone who's traveling through. If, in case they need to stop and collect anything on their on their way for wherever they're going.
0: Good morning, Tessa.
1: When you came in through the door, there's a little bell that ding a lings so she immediately looks up and sees you. There's a couple of kids who are, like, stalking some of the shelves in the store. And she looks at you, not unkindly, but she does sort of have a quizzical eyebrow. And, and she says, Angel, what the, What brings you in here today? Oh, just all sorts of
0: excitement. and Out of bitters? No, not quite yet. But, uh... There is a bit of an excitement that you might be interested in.
1: She kind of shrugs at you when you talk about the excitement of the day. Are you talking about that business down off the road? Just more bad luck and a string of bad luck in these parts.
0: Yes, uh, seems to be a never-ending parade around here.
1: Oh, that's one thing to call it. (laughs) You come here looking for bits from the wreckage? I haven't had my crew out there yet.
0: No, actually, uh, or not exactly. Some of us in town are are looking into the the cause of of the strange accident, and we think that uh, well, there might be a, a witness, and uh, I'm trying to track her down. She'll hand the painting over. Mm. Uh, I I don't suppose you've you've seen this woman uh, coming in here.
1: She takes a glance at it. Uh, give me the information move with presents.
0: <laughs> Terrified, as always. Oh, yes. That, that's, that's a 10.
1: Exactly. 10, hey. Very nice. That's a full success. Uh, actually, since this is already an uncomplicated solution, do, would you like to spend a Janus mask and upgrade to a 12 plus?
2: Yes.
0: So, all right, I need a little help with this. Uh, Bootstrapper's Mask tells the story of a young woman called the girl. Mm-hmm. It says, narrate a flashback to your happy, blissful childhood.
1: Yeah, so that, that is from the girl's perspective, not from yours. Okay. Um, but I will say that if you, you could spend a mask of the past, I will say there's also the Janice Mask for this threat, which is the Mask of Lonesomeness. And there are also your masks of the future that you could spend instead. Uh, so you have all those options.
2: And you don't have to start with the first yeah, you of don't the masks to. of the past either.
1: Normally you would. But again, because we're doing a short series.
2: Uh, no, let's, let's start
0: with... I'll start with the first one from the past as I try to figure out who okay. this girl is. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because no, I didn't have that already pre-planned. I told you improv. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So there's a flashback from the perspective of some girl and she's, oh, I've got it. Okay, she's in an alley. Her hands are, are, are quite dirty, but she has this feeling of, um, of joy and coming into the frame is this little, this little puppy with spots all over him. Uh, oh, I like that. <laughs> and, oh, is it the dog? Yes, the dog is the girl. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's. <laughs> 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 I should have done that. Damn it, that would have been great. Sorry, um, would have fit in perfectly. But okay, so yes, it is in fact the dog, uh, Spot, as a puppy, coming up and and jumping up and down. And she catches Spot and. And Spot lick, licks her face, and it then fades black.
1: Yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, this, this little little scene, this little cutaway to happiness. So, what was the question that you gave to Tessa? Uh,
0: if she's seen this woman.
1: Yeah. Clues are the hard part. So, you're, you're going to get a mastermind clue. I already know what that is. But let's pick your regular clue. I think she's staring at the picture and she's like, now, <laughs> I don't really know what I can tell you. I, I I wasn't there for this when it happened. And she, she looks at the picture, like, re- really looks at it this time that you're showing her. And she seems, like, lost in thought for a minute and then says, I think... No, no, May I might have seen someone who looked a little like that. Uh, c- come with me to the back, real quick. Angel follows. Hey, Cla- Claudia, man, man, the front desk. Thanks, thanks, sweetheart. Thanks. Uh, and she takes you into the back. She has you know tons of store boxes, all full of different things that they carry on the shelves of the general store. But then she also has one that you can smell the sort of mustiness of the paper of like old newspaper that has been, you know, not everything gets sold. Right. And so there's a collection of what doesn't, some of it makes great Tinder. She ends up selling it to people in the winter time to help start their fires. But some of it, I think she holds on to, I think it's something that Tessa likes to keep with her, keep a record of history. Um, So there's lots of old newspapers and She rifles through this big crate full of them, and her her fingers, much like the girl from our our cutaway we had, getting stained black, this time with ink instead of any kind of uh, dirt or grime. uh, And she plucks a particular one from there. There's a newspaper clipping from 1866, and it's titled Man's Second Runaway Bride. The article itself, like a lot of the ink is kind of faded. The details are not necessarily impossible, but tough to make out. And I also think the account is brief and short. I think this might even be less an article and more like a classified advertisement. And there is a small picture. It was printed on a press. It's black and white. And while the exact features aren't necessarily a perfect match, it certainly looks from this picture, again, it's hard to tell exactly, but it looks like it could be the same girl, the same girl that's been seen. She also appears to have black hair. She has a similar sort of stare at whoever made this picture. It could be. And you find this newspaper clipping, um, and that is your clue. After she's handed it to you, you hear the bell ring several more times from the front, and you hear you know the small voice of Claudia. Tessa,, T- T- Tessa, you've got customers. And Tessa like <sighs> harrumphs and then says, uh, you can you can take that with you if you want. I gotta go deal with this. Uh, you should uh, well, take that with you, get out of the back and uh, if you need more bitters, just let me know. Uh, otherwise, uh, I gotta take care of these." And she heads back to the front to deal with her new customers. Angel, you are rushed out the door. You you almost wince a little bit as now you're feeling the full wrath of the early afternoon sun in midtown El Paso uh, as a large cart with big rumbling wheels rolls up here in the sort of... You're in in midtown. You're near the middle of town here off of the main street and stops in the middle of the road. And we'll come back to you with that. But first, we're going to hop across town, just outside of town, over by Foothills Road, where the wagon went off the road. It's a dusty road. There's wagon ruts along the packed earth, looming to the north of the Franklin Mountains. If you were to go up there, you would get a great view of El Paso from its highest points. I've got a paint the scene question for you, Marshall. The road is twisty and treacherous as it enters the foothills. Looking around, how do you know others have lost their lives on this road over the years? I think that there's remnants of other cart crashes, whether that just be random debris like Mm -hmm. broken boards or barrels. Okay. There's old wreckage that still remains strewn. Not all of it is collected because not all of it is useful. Um, Some of it is just left there to rot in the sun. Yep. You're there with the deputy. He's guided you back here. He seems better now. Um, more with his wits about him. He's, his powers returned. He does look a little bit nervous, and he does like wrinkle up his nose a little bit at the smell of the horses, for their bodies are certainly starting to stink just a little bit in the hot day sun. Mm-hmm. Do you head straight down to the wreckage, or do you look for anything around the foothills first? Is there, like, obvious, like, wagon wheel? tracks where I can see where it went off the road I mean yeah I think there is a gouge where it goes off and you could certainly take a closer look around them if you'd like sure okay uh, give me the information move with reason <laughs> three three because I have zero reason so and I rolled a two and a one you rolled a two and a one uh, okay I get to make a hard move here great I'm trying to decide what that should be I wasn't expecting a, a miss like this here. Yeah, there's a big ol' whiff. It is a big ol' whiff.
3: It, I mean, it's it's bound to happen unless you got a good number. A little uh, a little less than half the time, you're gonna miss.
1: I think what happens is you go to take a closer look at the tracks. You're leaned over. The deputy waited on the far side of the road. He he seems a little bit hesitant to get too close to the crash site. He will follow you, but he's following at his own pace. You're standing in the middle of the road. There's no cart or anything coming. You feel fairly safe to do this. There's definitely some in the distance either way. Like, people do frequent this road. But you're not in any immediate danger, or so you thought. Um, You're bent over investigating these tracks, looking closely, seeing if there's anything that looks strange, out of the ordinary, suspicious with it. And as you do so you're you're here for a second you you notice like the way that they curve off it's very very sudden almost as if the driver was like dodging something right and as you're taking a closer look at those tracks you hear the deputy shout but he doesn't shout soon enough for you he he's like but but marshall uh and you look up to see a wagon being drawn by four horses right up on you and i think you dive out of the way you tumble down the hill I think you're going to take the condition here badly bruised. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a rough fall. Uh, You roll down the same hillside that, with the wagon crashed, killed two people and four horses, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not coming out of this totally unscathed. But as you look then back up, dazed from the bottom, the fall was cushioned a little bit by the body of one of the horses that you're currently lying up against. Narrowly, just to your side, there's a spoke from one of the wheels that almost got you on the way down. Didn't quite but you see drifting then off up the track. And I do say drifting is the same shattered cart and horses that you're currently laying on top of, continuing up the road and then disappearing in the daylight. Sick. <laughs> uh, do you want to spend a crown, or do you just want to accept the situation? Um, you said the condition would be badly bruised? Yeah. I don't think the stakes here were high enough for anything much worse than that. I think I'm going to take it as is. All right. Yeah. Uh, You're here at the bottom of the wreckage. There's severe erosion on this part of the road. You just tumbled down. The dirt has been worn away to raw rock, and you felt it as you (laughs) roughly careened down here. You plummeted into this. There are just goods and muddy rainwater Sitting all about down here, your hand is like plunged into muck, you pull it out and sort of wipe it on your your chaps here's a paint the scene for you down by the wreckage. What evidence of a ghostly presence remains here, even in daylight? I mean, I think we just got the remains of a ghostly presence. yeah uh, the same card that was in the wreck I just saw. Above and ran me off the road. <laughs> that is a good answer. It's like there are echoes here. I th- I think that's the evidence. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like that. You are down here. It'll be a hard climb back out. Uh, you hear from the top of the wreckage the deputy calling down. Ma- Ma- Marshall, are you you all right down there? I've seen better days, but I th- I think I can manage. I I may need a hand or two to to get me back up uh, up there, but uh, I'm going to do my best to crawl my way up. Uh, He sounds a little bit relieved, both by the fact that you're okay, of course, but then also by the fact that he's more useful to you up here than he is down there right now. And he hollers back, Oh, uh, uh, sure, Marshall. Uh, uh, I think I have some rope in the cart we brought over here. I'll I'll bring it on over and I'll I'll help you up once you're done. That'll be that. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. Uh, you're down here. Yeah, um, I you, figure I'd take advantage yeah, of you're being <laughs> down here while I'm ankle here. Ankle deep in the, the mud and the blood. What are you doing? Going look around this crash site, see if there's... Uh... I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for, though. That's the problem. Yeah, you're, you're sorting through everything. Yeah. Um, I think after the shock you've just had... If you're, like, looking through the objects and debris... Were they delivering something to the town, or, like... Uh, I mean, they were on their way out of town. They were on their way out yeah, of town. It, w- it wasn't delivery, though. They were shipping goods. Huh. I'd say if you're going to sort through the, the goods themselves, that would probably be a reason roll, as you try to see if there's anything that connected. Sure. Um, or... If you're instead going to look over the bodies of the horses and the men that were left there, because he didn't get them totally out of there. Yeah, let's look at that. Then that's probably a composure roll. Let's do it. I got two to that, guys. That's better. That's seven. Seven. Hey, that's a success. Mixed as it is. So you will get a clue. Uh, I'm actually going to give you that right away. You're looking over the bodies, and Clive's body is still half under one of the horses. He got thrown as the cart fell and they fell on him. Uh, and that was how he met his end. Uh, I think there is one of those wagon spokes that's sticking out of the chest of uh, Jose Morena. Jesus he's the one Christ. He's the one who uh, the deputy had started to try to drag out. Mm. Um, so he's further away. You can tell that it's going to take some work to get Clive Barnes out. But you go over to Jose Morena and in one of his hands is what's left of the reins. Um, He had been guiding the cart when it had careened off the road. In his other hand, it is clenched just as tight. I do apologize for this, Jose. You were always such a nice boy, but I'm going to have to pry that open. And you do peel open his fingers. Sitting inside the palm of his hand is a ring. Hmm. There is a dented silver ring with a pearl in it sitting in the middle of his hand. You know that Jose was not married. So this seems a bit anomalous for him to be holding on. It's clearly a woman's ring based on the sizing and the style you would assume. And it's just sitting in his hand here at the bottom of the cell. I mean, obviously I'm going to take the ring. Yeah, I mean, you take it with you, it's a clue. And I think the complication here, uh, another fun complication to add to you. Great. You take the ring and... As you take it into your possession, you feel almost like you're sick with something. You feel a chill descend on you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you, like, despite the hot sun, you're in a little bit of the shadow here because of the ravine. But as you're approaching midday, that that direct sun is starting to reach even where you are. And even as it sits on your skin, you feel chilled to the bone. Take that condition as well. Chilled to the bone? Yeah. And a rope you hear fall down the hillside to you. And the deputy cries from up up top. There's a a team of horses here to help cart away the wreckage. There's a couple of kids from the general store to collect the goods. You you about finished your inquiry down there, Marshal? Yeah, I do believe that I would like to get back up on better foot and ground and you plunge your boot out of the muck that's stuck in you set it against the rock you grab the rope and you start hoisting yourself out of there I want to step back then from that scene to Lorelai Chambers you are in the barn the space has been dimmed by the presence of the lady in white you have reached out your bare hand to her you're Glove removed in your other clenched in your other fist your hand extended and I think she does extend her hand towards you and you feel the softest presences as her fingertips rest on your hand it's not quite the same as if her hand itself was there but you especially do feel her touch and your hand grows cold where it is but I think your hands are always cold When we left off, what question did you ask her?
2: What are we waiting for?
1: And here's the clue you receive. She touches your hand gently. And then she walks over to the wall behind her. It's next to the stalls. It's next to where some equipment might have been once upon a time. It's all rusted or in the fields now. And on the wall barely intact, there's a nail driven in that's holding it tattered there, is an old calendar. And this calendar page is worn by weather, by time, by sun, and by rain that has leaked in through the roof here. But you can still see clearly, and actually as her finger goes up to touch it, it's almost like the calendar is restored to its original state, the paper new and fine under her fingers. She points, and there's a circled date. You don't know the month, you don't know the year, but it's the 17th. She points at this circled date on this old calendar, and she turns back to you.
2: I think I'm going to nod slowly. I think it's already passed, sweetheart.
1: And she nods resolutely. And then the air clears as she disappears. And the door opens to the barn. I think Brandy Carson is shoving open the door to the barn, Brother Gideon behind her. She's half-turned to face him. Uh, I think she has his flask still in her hand (laughs) Uh, as she's leading him in, talking to him about how she's in charge of the state of this place now. You know, he's welcome to stay here if he's going to work, but... Otherwise, he should best be on his way. And as she's saying that, she turns and sees you standing here, ungloved hand extended to no one now. A pile of salt on the floor, bones cast. Uh, who, who were you supposed to be? What are you doing here in my home? Very quickly,
2: I put the glove back on, mm-hmm. move over, sweep up the bones with a very practiced emotion. Yeah. Uh, just sort of sweep the the salt circle so it's no longer a circle and start heading toward the door.
1: <laughs> you just leave. What? what? Where are you going? And she like goes over, rummages through uh, a pile of... Uh, in the best shape of tools, she seems to be collecting what might still have some value here. She grabs like a shovel. And she starts heading towards the door you came in from as you depart it.
3: Which is when the good brother's hand grabs the shovel. Yes. Gently, but firmly. Now, Brandy, I, I, I have had some fair experience with the good book, and I'm quite certain that casual homicide is frowned upon. <laughs>
1: And she she seems a little bit unsure in her step. She was obviously drinking some earlier this morning and after having some big swigs of yours, I think it's starting to hit. Well, I I'll tell you what, darling.
3: How about we start with harsh language first? We can escalate if things call for it.
1: Well, mm. and she like seems a little more unsteady. She actually has a seat down in a stool that's there. I think it might have once been once upon a time been for for cow milking. Uh, based on the height of it and the location, she sits down on it roughly, uh, unsure on her feet, and, and says, "You look. I, I'm all done with guests for the day. You uh, and whoever that woman was, you get out of here, okay? It's my my property. My family won't stand for it. Get 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 gone. What what?" done here. I've I've ha- had enough of this.
3: All right. She like shoes you. All right, Miss Brandy, but do come by and visit us on Sunday. I think it might help ease
1: your soul. She shakes a fist at you and maybe at God uh, and <laughs> and she says you you or him do something for me and we'll see what I do for you.
3: Well, how about we start with some Fellowship and food—that's my favorite part of church. Hmm. But we gotta keep that between us.
1: She's she's pretty grouchy right now, but that that is a compelling statement. Uh, and she softens just a little bit and says, "I'll I'll think about it. For, for, for now, it ain't Sunday yet, preacher man. You get on your way."
3: <laughs> you are correct. I take my leave. He heads out, and uh, he catches up with uh, Lorelai. He makes it back to the cart, puts the hat back on. You know, I might recommend having your first reaction on finding an impromptu domicile. Not be to engage in heathen casting of spells or what have you. It might help make a better impression. That's just my advice.
2: She smiles a little bit at that. And she goes, heathen casting of spells. Tell me, Gideon. Do you know the name of the first person to die?
3: I do believe that was Abel, slain by Cain.
2: And Lorelai just like holds out the uh the the oracle bones in one hand for just a moment, shakes them slightly, clutches them back, puts them back. Continues walking.
3: Well alright then. I'm just gonna take that as a
1: yes, sir. It's a good idea, sir. It's late afternoon bordering on evening when the two of you, as well as the marshal, make their way back to town. It took a while getting out of there. They had to load up the horses and the bodies. Uh, the kids were collecting the goods for the general store. The three of you, Marshal, Lorelai, Brother Gideon, are just pulling up as the sun is starting to descend, its final descent behind the horizon line. Angel Flynn has been standing here watching this cart set up. There's a boxy wagon uh, with huge wheels, canvas roof, various signs, uh, tables folding out with tinctures and bottles, uh, and somebody who's like clearing their throat, clearly preparing some sort of speech. (coughs) But that's not what I want to focus on right away. We'll get to the scene unfolding here on the roadway in a moment. Angel, as you see your fellow members of the vigilance committee approaching and as you see this scene starting to unfold in front of you walking behind you on the the pedestrian walkway on the it's weird to call it a boardwalk but it's kind of how those connected building porches were it's this wooden walkway next to the dirty road for the finer folk to keep their shoes and britches clean You see a woman dressed fine, late 20s, early 30s, walking along with uh, someone who appears to be a train conductor, a bit older than she is, with... You can't quite see it because the shirt he's wearing has a bit of a higher collar to it. But his neck appears to be sort of red, chafed, maybe even a bit swollen. And the two of them are walking past you, Angel. They just sort of catch your attention in passing. I think the woman in particular because of the finery and because you haven't really seen the two of them in your bar before. You're always looking for those patrons who look like they got money, right? But the two of these are walking along and you hear the woman say as she's passing, Why, I believe I'll have that train come right through here. Don't you think, conductor? Right in the middle of Main Street? That ought to be something. And... You hear the conductor respond. Yes, I think that should be just, just the thing. Passengers should have no
3: trouble disembarking then.
1: And you catch this snippet of their conversation, your mastermind clue, and you might have even inclined your ear to hear more of it, were it not for the grand speech beginning at the spectacle in front of you. Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson's Ghost Be Gone! All-purpose spectral repellent guaranteed!